0: This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future.
1: Hey
0: guys, I want to welcome you again this morning, Church of the Harvest. It is a privilege to have you with us this morning. Um, if, you're, uh, if you're a guest with us uh, here at Harvest, we're, a, we're just a family of Christ followers. and um, we, we recognize that the Lord has brought us together. And that we're stronger together than we are individually. We can accomplish more for his purposes together than we can individually. And so we've chosen to, to link arms and to, and to fulfill his purposes in the earth together. And uh, as was just mentioned, we meet in community groups uh, throughout the week. Um, and it's kind of our main thing. But we still love Sundays as our community groups come together to worship corporately. Uh, as I always say, we're just a small expression of the body of Christ. We, we love God. We love our Father. And we want to be just like him. And so because of that, we choose to love people and to serve the world as the hands and feet of Jesus. Guys, if you're part of the Harvest family, do we have our vision? I don't see it on the queued up slide. I was <laughs> what is our vision? Our vision is to make, grow, and equip followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose in life, and we do that through community, discipleship, and outreach. Now, one of our biggest priorities here at Harvest is community, and we recognize that's very important because we were created to be loved by God. Did you know you were created to be loved by God? You were created for his pleasure. That's a good thing. And so community is huge. We were created for relationship. So this is obviously something that we need to talk about. What do godly relationships look like and what is our responsibility in them? And this is actually um, part five of this. And this will be the conclusion as we uh, go a different direction um, in a couple weeks after family day and One more thing. But um, guys, I hope that all of you, in some form or another, have meaningful goals in your life. I hope that you have some financial goals. I hope that you have some family goals. I hope that you have some spiritual goals. I hope that you have some health goals in your life. I also pray that you have some relationship goals. I pray that you are seeking to honor God with your Relationships, and so with that said, y'all ready for a few Instagram photos? (laughs) I told you back a number of weeks ago. I searched online, looked up hashtag relationship goals. There was like 21 million posts. Did a few sappy ones. Now I'm just doing hilarious ones. That you know, whatever. Uh, First one. You know, I kind of hoped that that would be Sean and I one day, but I recognize she would never let that happen. She'd be like, You're going too fast. Stop jumping over the speed bumps. There's a car coming. I'd be like, Whatever. Um, oh, dude. <laughs> that is awful. That was under relationship goals. Make that man yours. <laughs> Next, get it off the screen. My future husband better react this way when he sees me coming down the aisle, or I'm turning around and doing it again. Next, ah, that's kind of cute. Yeah. Next, <laughs> yeah. Mhm. Mhm. Relationship goals, right? I think that there might be one more. Yeah. That's some relationship goals right there. Yeah? I don't have to order off the dollar menu anymore. All right, you can take that nonsense down. Guys, I hope, I hope that you have goals in your relationships. And I hope that they're good and they're meaningful goals. Because as we talked about previously, we don't want the norm in the world today. We don't want the norm that we see when we look up relationship goals on Instagram because behind these carefully posed and carefully edited pictures, there's hurt and there's bitterness and there's disappointment and there's insecurity. They don't want us to see all that. But that's what's behind it all. And we we want something different. And have you know that to have something different, you've got to do something different. To have something different, you've got to set different goals. And so that's what we're talking about. So we, we look at memes and things like these on Instagram, and some of you, maybe some of you ladies are like, I, one day I want a relationship just like that. I want that. And then the day comes you get married and you're like, my relationship don't look like that. And you're all disappointed. How many of you know that Sometimes things don't end up exactly the way you thought they would in a relationship. True? In fact, those of you that are married, how many of you would say that you married somebody that was very different than you? Kind of, maybe even opposite. Opposite. Isn't it interesting that like when we're dating, how opposites attract? I think that's a God thing, actually but opposites attract, and and, and you know, when we look at this, it's kind of funny because opposites tend to attract when you're dating, and then opposites tend to attack like when you're married. All of a sudden, what before you thought was all like cute and adorable is all of a sudden incredibly obnoxious and irritating. When you're dating, you're like, I love him so much. He's so laid back, and nothing phases him, and he goes with the flow. And then you get married, and you're like, get off the couch and get a job, right? It's like, what? You're so different. How many of you, when it comes to money, you would say that you're the saver? You like to be very wise with your money and save and do all these things. I'm glad we got four. <laughs> That's awesome. How many, of you, how many of you didn't realize it? Saving was an option with money. I knew I could save cake. I didn't know I could save money, right? It's like, what? Because we're opposite. Some of you are very punctual when it comes to being on time. Some of you are a little more flexible with it, right? Some of you are very organized. Everything has a place and is in order. Others of us are a little more creative, we like places and drawers and piles, right? I know where that is. It's in one of those piles in that guest storage room, right? It's funny how opposites tend to attract. And then we get married and we're wondering why we're struggling so much, right? Because opposites attract. We hope. I hope that you have some relationship goals. And have you know that as followers of Christ, we have to have different goals than the rest of the world does. We have to have different goals. If you've been part of this series, this five-part series, you know we talked. I talked about several different things, several different goals, and I broke them down each week. The first week we talked about having Jesus at the center whether you're married or not, having Jesus at the center of your life, the center of your relationship, the center of everything. And how many of you know that being Christ-centered is very different than calling yourself a Christian? And call yourself Christian doesn't mean Jesus is at the center. Um, we talked about how, how uh, we, we need to walk kingdom-minded, recognizing that we are not of this world, and mission-driven, recognizing that we've been given a mission by God. The reason we got married is because the Lord brought somebody along that we recognized we would be more effective in service for the Lord with. We talked about how we want to stand together against darkness, not allowing even a hint of impurity or immorality in our lives. And the last thing I told you we were going to talk about was fighting for and keeping our covenant. And that's what I want to talk about for a few minutes today. How can we do this And what does this look like? So if you've got a Bible, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 19. Actually, I'm going to jump around quite a bit, but I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 19. And um, if you want to follow along on your mobile device, you can go to the UVersion Bible app. And if you have location services turned on, you can hit uh, more and events, and it'll automatically bring up the notes um, here in the building. There's also a QR code on the chair in front of you. You can hit that, and it'll bring the the, the notes up as well. But Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 through 6, it says... Some Pharisees came to Jesus, testing him. Now, what were they doing? They were testing him. And asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? Just, just any reason. Any reason at all. And he answered and he said, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but they are what? One flesh what therefore god has joined together let no man separate now we see right at the beginning of this that they're testing him right this group of guys some of the pharisees and others they come together they're testing him can so can we just leave our wives for any reason at all Uh, i think there probably was a few of them in that group who probably were looking for a reason they were getting a little bit older and they wanted to trade her in for a newer younger model so they bring this question to jesus is it okay for me to leave her for just, just any reason at all And Jesus gives the answer. And he tells them uh, basically that it's God who brings us together. And how many of you know we talked about the last few weeks that God unites, but when God unites, the enemy hates and the enemy will always be trying to divide. How many of you have seen that in your marriage? The enemy trying to divide you in your marriage? We all have. So what does it mean to keep our covenant in our relationships? And we're going to talk about that, but for just a minute before I do, I want, to talk about, um, I want to talk about three different perceptions, three different types of marriages, three different um, uh, perceptions, approaches to marriage I want to discuss for just a minute. And I think especially these first two, you're going to see them when you think about our society and our culture and the people that you're around, uh, you're going to see a lot of this. But, and I'm going to tell you these three real quick, and then I'm going to break them down. So the first, the first one I want to talk about for a minute is the casual marriage. And this approach to marriage basically says, I mean, yeah, marriage isn't that big a deal. It, it's, a, it's a piece of paper. It's a piece of paper, right? I mean, we, yeah, I mean, we might get married one day, maybe, maybe one day in the future, uh, you know, but, but you know, what, what's, what's the big deal? The second one I want to talk about is contractual, the contractual marriage. And this is the one where marriage is a contract. It's like signing on the dotted line, as long as you do this, I'll do this. And then the third one, which is obviously where we're going with this, is the covenantal marriage. And this is the idea that marriage is a holy covenant established by God. And so let, let's just break these down for a minute. Let's start back, back to the first one, back to the beginning to uh, the casual marriage. Number one, casual marriage. What is a casual marriage? Again, this idea that marriage is not a big deal. Maybe we'll get married. Maybe we won't. It's just a piece of paper. It doesn't really matter. How many of you know that mindset has taken root today? It's in our society today. And so when we have this casual perception, this casual approach to marriage, it bleeds into other areas as well. Usually when people have this casual approach to marriage, they also have a casual approach to sex, right? And when somebody has a casual approach to sex, they'll say things like, well, we're both consenting adults. What's the big deal? We're not hurting anybody else. It's nobody else's business. Last I checked, it was a good time. We might as well as often as we want to. Who's anybody else to tell me what to do? Casual approach. And then it evolves even further. Since marriage isn't that big a deal and sex isn't that big a deal, then if we love somebody or at least like them a lot and, and if it's convenient, then we might as well live together because it doesn't matter that much anyway. Guys, uh, in 2017, you're probably familiar, I I quote George Barna quite a bit. Barna Research Group did a study. And that study found, the the report was that 57% of Americans said they are either currently or have previously lived with a boyfriend or girlfriend. And in our culture, this almost makes sense. You move in together. It's incredibly convenient. Might save some money. Uh, you know, we need to test things out anyway. Sounds logical. Now, my side note, if you're here and you're living together with somebody, I'm not here to bring you condemnation or to embarrass you or, or, or bring shame upon you, but I do want to call it what it is. Is that all right? You have, if you're living with somebody outside of the boundaries of marriage, then you have on certain, on some level, you have made some level of commitment. If anything, just to share a house, an apartment, whatever it may be, share an address. But I want to talk that through for a second because it's dangerous when we begin believing that marriage is no big deal. Let's say that you're going to live together. What does that mean? If you're living together with a significant other, it basically means that you're going to do things that throughout history and biblically have been reserved for married couples. So what does it look like? You've been together for a while. You choose to move in together. So you share a house or an apartment. You share a bed. You're all excited and you come in and you put your little toothbrush and their little toothbrush holder right next to theirs and your clothes in the little drawer next to theirs. And you, I don't know, share, share a sandwich for lunch every day. And you share the bills, whatever it may be. Everything goes good. You're doing what married couples do, just unmarried, right? But if things don't work out, what happens? Psh, that's my toothbrush. You take it back. Those are my clothes. That's my sandwich, right? I paid the bill for that. You owe me. I'm out and you hit out the door. Right? It's over. And you go on hopefully to find somebody else. And if things go well with them, you move in with them as well. And then weeks, months, maybe years down the line, you finally meet the one. Remember we talked about the one? The one. All the love songs on the radio make sense when you're with them. The one. You finally realize they're the ones you want to settle down with and marry. Opposites attract. You get married, but suddenly things get very complicated. They don't do things like your last living boyfriend, living girlfriend did. They, I don't know, they they squeeze the toothpaste from the middle of the tube. What's wrong with you? He leaves the toilet seat up. She puts the toilet paper on the roll the, on the holder the wrong way. Things get hard, right? Things get difficult. And that's when people say, I'm done. Calling it off. I want a divorce. One of the reasons that I think divorce is so common in our society today is because a lot of people have played house. They've played house. And pretended to be married and practiced divorcing over and over and over again. And so what happens if marriage is just a piece of paper, marriage isn't a big deal, sex isn't a big deal, and we can live with as many people as we want to, and we can leave as many people as we want to, why wouldn't we repeat that over and over again? Why would we not end up divorced? It's a common consequence of a casual marriage. Second type of marriage, number two, is the contractual marriage. Now, when you get married in the U.S., you sign a marriage certificate, Right? And that certificate is filed with the state, correct? And it's a type of, a type of contract. And I, I don't think that's a bad thing. The problem is, if you think that's what marriage is, we have a problem. Because what is a contract based on? Distrust. Is it not? A contract is based on mutual distrust. That's how you start your marriage then. You know, if you think about it, for instance, if you're going into a deal with somebody, you're, going, you're, you're establishing a deal with somebody, and I don't know, you're, maybe it's somebody you know. Somebody I know. No, I don't trust him. I don't trust him. Uh, but here's my friend Brian. I know him, and I trust him, and we want to make a deal. Well, I know him. He's, you know, we, we've hung out together a little bit. He's, he and Tiffany and family have been part of the church for a while, and I trust him. So guess what? We're going to shake on it. We're going to give the little nod. We're going to give our word, and we're good to go. Why? Because we trust each other. Now, if I didn't know him, brother's going to be signing on the dotted line. Right? Isn't that the way it works? We'd have him go into a a, a contract. Now, what do we know about a contract? A contract is generally temporary. It has an expiration date on it. And that it means it's effective until you pay up or until a certain amount of time expires. But it almost always exists to protect the rights of the person signing and, their respons- and limit their responsibility. You see how that could be damaging in marriage? For example, if you had a rental property and you're renting it out to people you don't know, well, you're not going to trust them, right? You, there's nothing to base that trust on. And so what are you going to do? You're going to draw up a contract, correct? And that contract's going to say, uh, I'll fix that, but I'm not fixing this. And, and, you know, you're going to pay or you're not going to stay. That's what the contract says, right? You have signed the contract. What does it do? It limits responsibility and it defines responsibility. So if we enter into marriage and we're treating it as a contract, and that means as long as you live up to the terms, I'm in. Another reason we have a lot of divorce. As long as you meet the terms, I'm in. But if you don't live up to the agreed terms, if you call me a name I don't like, if you betray me in some way, if you don't make me happy, I've heard that so many times, they don't make me happy. What? Then you've broken the contract and I'm out. How of you know there's a lot of that today? A lot of that today. We go our separate ways. So the casual marriage is no big deal. The contractual marriage, as long as you're in doing what you're supposed to do, then I'm in. And then the third type of marriage, like I said, this is obviously where I'm going, is a covenantal marriage. The covenantal marriage is not based on mutual distrust. It's not temporary. It's not motivated by selfish desires. Instead, it's a covenant based on mutual commitment. It's an unconditional commitment motivated by sacrificial love for one another. When you're in a covenantal marriage, it's never, it's not about me. It's about you. So I want to talk about covenant for a minute. Now, covenant's not a word that we use a whole lot in the world today, unless you're in the church, maybe. Uh, when somebody's getting married, they don't say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get hitched today. I'm going to establish a covenant. Now we would just say, I'm going to get married, right? But we gotta understand that marriage is a holy covenant established by God, so we need to understand what covenant is. It's a very important word. It's a very spiritual word, and we gotta understand it when we talk about marriage. So the word that we, we translate, covenant uh, in the Old Testament. Hebrew was the word berit, And the definition of berit is a cutting. It means a cutting. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. But when you see a covenant established in the Bible, how many of you know there was always a shedding of blood? Covenant was very important so in the old testament if two people were to enter into covenant now i'm not talking about marriage right now okay if two people were to enter into covenant together uh, there would be the shedding of blood uh, generally they would use a bull i think if it wasn't a bull it was like what was it was like seven lambs i think that they would use in, instead of a bull but so say say you and i are going to enter into covenant together and so what they would do is they would get this bull and they would kill it and they would cut it in half you know, it's gross. Bear with me. And they'd put a piece of the bull here and a piece of the bull here. And the two people entering this covenant would walk around those pieces of the bull seven times. And they would basically be communicating, may what happened to this bull happen to me if I don't keep my oath to you. It doesn't say, may what, may what happened to you, may what happened to this bull happen to you if you don't keep it. No, it's, it's, it's me. If I don't keep my oath, may what happened to this bull happen to me. Very serious thing. Very serious. It's a covenant. It's a shedding of blood, giving my word, my commitment that I will stick by. Covenants were not meant to be temporary. They were very serious to God. Deuteronomy 7 verse 9 says, Now therefore, uh, I'm sorry, know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenants. And steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. I want to talk for just a minute about the Old Testament Hebrew weddings. Guys, if you were, that would be incredible to be able to see an Old Testament Hebrew wedding. It was such a powerful ceremony. I did a study on it a couple of years ago and absolutely incredible. And so in this ceremony, um, obviously, a priest would like officiate, but, um, but the, the groom and the bride would be there before him, and the, and, the, and the priest, many times what he would do is he would take a hand of the groom and a hand of the bride as he's standing there in front of them, and he would pull out a knife, and he'd make a little cut on both of their hands, and then the priest would put their hands together so that the blood would mingle, because Leviticus says that the life is in the blood, Right? It was symbolizing the merging, the mingling of their lives together. Guys, this was a serious thing. And then he would bind their hands together. This further symbolizing this union, this unity. And then they would would make their vows before friends and family and before God. They would make these covenantal vows to one another. Powerful. Then, this is where it gets even more interesting, the bridal party would escort the virgin groom and virgin bride into the bridal chamber, which was called the hoopah. They would take them to the hoopah and they would leave. And in the hoopah, they would hoopah. <laughs> Everybody's gone. Hoopa <That's> <laughs> <laughs> in the hoopah. Um, they would this this they would seal their marriage. They would consummate their marriage covenant, and there would be the shedding of blood. They would become one flesh. If any of you young people are struggling, going, "What's he talking about?" Ask your mom or dad or Shauna, not me. Um, <laughs> but all this represented what was happening in the spirit. And once they had sealed their covenant. Well, they would literally come out of the room back to the wedding party. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> I don't know how weird that would be. But guys, do you, my point is, do you see how powerful this is? It was a very, very serious thing. Marriage covenant matters. Marriage matters to God. Sex matters to God. It's a gift from a good God to his children. Hebrews thirteen four says marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed, sex, is to be kept pure. What does it say about marriage? It's to be honored by all. The marriage bed, sex, is to be kept pure. You know who all is referring to? All, yeah, it's all. There's no better, no other translation. It's all it means all of us. So that means. Our children, we teach our children to honor the covenant of marriage and the gift of sex. If you're a teenager with raging hormones, what does God tell you to do? You honor the covenant of marriage and the gift of sex. If you're 21 and single and got some needs, you honor the covenant of marriage. And you keep the marriage bed pure. If you're 30 and you're waiting and dating and, I don't know, got a urge for mating, you honor the marriage covenant and you keep the marriage bed pure. If you're 50, if you're 50 and widowed or divorced, you honor the marriage covenant and you keep the marriage bed pure. All, right? All. Why? Because marriage matters to God, and the gift of sex matters to God as well. Marriage should be honored by all. And I, I, I threw this in. I was going to mention that, as I think for a very long time, I, I think the church has not addressed sex real well for for young people and single folks, because it's been like, no, 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 that's not for you. No, 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 no. But the Bible says that it's a gift from God. And I, I think that we need to look, because what happens is there are plenty of people that were raised under the, with this thinking, and they finally meet the one, they finally get married, but then they're struggling with this idea that sexuality is something, is something dirty or wrong. And it's not. It's not at all. Instead of no, we need to communicate that, that this is a gift from God, and that he placed that desire within you. And how do you know, if he placed the desire within you, he gave you the ability to wait. He gave you the strength. It's not really so much as no, 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 it's wait, 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 because there's something holy coming. There's a gift from God coming in your life, something special for you. And you may be here, and you may have never said no in your life. You're a yes, yes, yes person. But you recognize that it wasn't within the boundaries of marriage, and if that's you, then you probably feel a bit of conviction at the moment. And again, I'm not here to shame or embarrass um, anyone, but, but what do you do? Because you know who else is just as guilty? Is, is the wife or the husband who's living in a marriage and has a lust-filled heart. So what do we do? Well, the good news is that Jesus makes us new. And we can be washed as white as snow. And before Christ, we were unclean. Guys, I believe that when we receive Christ and he washes as white as snow, makes us a new creation. We become brand new. And I believe that includes our sexuality. You may have done everything in the world, you know, before you receive Christ. But when you come to him and you repent, he can restore that area of your life. No matter what you've done in your past, with the grace of God, you can be forgiven. And you can decide from this moment onward that I will honor the covenant of marriage and the gift of sex as God gave it. So the Bible is clear. The marriage bed is to be kept pure. So if you're dating somebody, if you're not married today, and you hope to be married one day, you make the decision. You decide, we're going to honor God, and we're going to wait, right? And then one day, you will meet the one. (laughs) You're two, if you've been here the last several weeks as I talked about that. One day, you'll stand before God and before your friends and your family, and you'll enter into a covenant, and you'll make vows, and you'll become one flesh spiritually, and then hopefully later on after the bridal party's long gone, you'll become one physically as well, right? We wait and we honor God. You seal that covenant at that point physically and it's a good and a holy and a right thing. Or you can just do your own thing and shack up with whoever you want (laughs) and maybe get married one day because it's just a piece of paper, right? Right? And then what? Then you go on your honeymoon and wouldn't it just be another day? You've already been living together seven years. What is it? It's business as usual, right? It's like you've already been having sex for years. It's another round in the sack. Cool. (laughs) Choice. My point is this, guys. The choice is yours. The choice is always ours. In every area, God gives us the choice. choice is yours. Who do you want to be? I want to be God-honoring and have Jesus at the center, and I hope you do too. Like I said earlier, there's a big difference between calling yourself a Christian and having Jesus at the center. I want our relationships to be kingdom-minded and mission-driven. I want us to be unified together for a higher calling. I want us to stand together against the forces of darkness, not allowing any hint of impurity. Why? Because we're a people that honors God and keeps our covenants. It's not casual. It's not contractual. It's so much more than that. And there may be some of you here that would say, well, well, that's easy for you and Shauna. It Sounds like you all have done everything perfectly. You don't know how bad my marriage is. And guys, to that I'll say, I recognize that many things in this life are easier said than done. I recognize that for some of you, your situation is incredibly complicated and it's tough. And I I, I totally get that. But in that, I mean, you may be walking through some massive betrayals and, and mistrust and and maybe even abuse, I don't know. I don't know what it is that you've walked through. It may be very complicated, and things are crazy. But how many of you know that life is crazy for all of us? Amen? Any of you would say your life is pretty crazy? Guys, I mean, we raised three kids, too. Certainly had his challenges along the way. And I promise you, our schedule is just as crazy as yours is. You know, I've had people say, well, that's, through this series, I, I, I've had somebody say, well, that's, that's really cool that, that you and Shauna take, you know, a little time one day a week to, to, you set aside to spend the day together, but I just don't have the time for that. When we were talking about the beginning of the year, we were talking about goals, we were talking about health goals, and I, people would be like, well, that's, that's really cool that you, you take a couple of days a week to go get some exercise and work out, but I don't have the time for that. Guys, we always have the time for what we make the time for. All of us. I promise you, our schedule's not any less busy than yours is. It's all, it all boils down to a choice in our lives. It's all choices. I promise you, we experience spiritual attacks in our lives just like anybody else, and maybe more so sometimes. Life's not easy. Nobody ever said it was. But if you're married, listen, if you're married, you've got to come to the understanding that your marriage is as good as the two of you choose for it to be. Your marriage is as good as you together choose for it to be. Look, I promise you, Sean would agree with me, sometimes we don't necessarily feel like being loving. Sometimes we don't necessarily feel like being forgiving. Sometimes we don't feel like necessarily working on it. Sometimes we may not feel like expressing love and being Christ-centered. In a moment. That's when I throw the keys over the house, right? But how do you know, it's never about how we feel. We love to talk about how we feel all the time. But it's never, the Christian life is never about how we feel. How many other important areas of your life can you just ignore and not do because you don't feel like it? You know what? I, am, I do not feel like feeding the kids today. I am not feeding the, I'm not feeding the baby. I just don't feel like it. I don't feel like going to work. As a matter of fact, I don't, I'm not going for the next three months because I don't feel like it. I don't feel like paying my taxes. Yeah. We do these things because they're right. And we choose how good a marriage we're going to have. That's good. It's not about how we feel. We choose to put Jesus at the center now, look, I understand your spouse may not be into this at all. They may not be a believer. They may be the opposite. It starts with you. You choose to make Jesus the center of everything that you do. We choose to be kingdom-minded. We choose to be mission-driven in our life. We choose to stand against darkness. We choose to keep our covenants. And that's it. For our close, I want to say one more thing kind of added this last minute I kind of got to thinking how many of you know guys that our relationship with the Lord is described as a marriage is it not if you've said yes bowed your heart bowed your knee to Jesus and the Bible says that you are the bride of Christ right and I think that many if not most believers today have a, have a skewed misunderstanding of the character and nature of our God and I think it goes back to the root that we have already talked about. I think that many of us think that when we go to God, it's a casual relationship. doesn't really matter. doesn't really matter what I do. He's going to forgive me anyway. You may have never said it, but you may have thought it. It's a casual approach to God. Some people think it's contractual. If I do my part, then he'll live up to his part. It's dangerous. Why? Because we don't live up to our part. How many of you have failed at that? And so, what happens then? Then we feel unworthy to come to him because we've been viewing it as a contract, we've been viewing it as a works based relationship. That's not what it is. We feel unworthy. Because we didn't do what we were supposed to, and now we think it releases him of his obligation, that he won't live up to his covenant, his end of the deal. The truth about our relationship with the Lord, it's not casual and it's not contractual, it's covenantal. Amen? Y'all know in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, the children of God would once a year, they would sacrifice a lamb, right? It it started at the the very first Passover when they were being held captive in Egypt. Everybody remember that? And they sacrifice this lamb, right? And they allow its blood to pour out into a container. And then they would take a sponge and they would dip it in that blood and they would put it across the top of their doorpost and they would put it down the sides, right? And I know that night that the angel of death passed over But those families were safe, right? Because they were covered with the blood of the lamb. And there we know this is a New Testament foreshadowing of the cross of Jesus. How do we live under the new covenant? Who is Jesus? Jesus is the sacrificial lamb of God who was slain for the forgiveness of sin. Amen? This, the cross... That was the beret, guys. The cutting, the shedding of blood for the covenant. That was it when Jesus went to the cross. That was our beret. The covenant was established. The blood flowed. The covenant was established. Because of his gift, because of the resurrection, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, surrendering their lives to him. Those are our vows, by the way. When we say yes to Jesus, we repent of our sin and we choose to follow him, we're making vows to him. We will be forgiven and made new and become a new creation in covenant with our groom, Jesus Christ. It's the new covenant. And here's the great news. Even in those moments where we fail and we're not faithful, he's always faithful. The Bible says that our God remains faithful. As a matter of fact, 2 Timothy 2.13 says, if we are faithless, how many of you have ever been faithless before? You failed. You didn't hold up your end of the covenant, your end of the bargain. He remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. I love this. He swore the covenant on himself. Who else can he swear on? I swear to God. God wouldn't say that, right? He swore on himself. He can't go back on it. He remains faithful even when we're not. That's reason to shout right there. (laughs) It's not casual. It's not contractual. It's not, It, um, it is. It's covenantal, sorry. Regardless of our relational status, we choose to make Jesus the center of our life. We choose to be kingdom We choose to be mission-driven. We choose to stand against darkness. And we choose to be a people that keeps our covenants. Amen? Amen. Amen. We choose to honor God, and he will always be faithful to us. I also invite Shauna to come up with me as we we close this out. Why don't you guys stand up with me? And um, yeah, worship team can come up. As I did week one, I thought I would have Shauna come up and, and I, if, if you're married in this place and your spouse is here, just, just grab your spouse's hand. And yeah, you guys in the front row don't have to do that. It's all good. Devin and Titus brought their buddies from MC, Mississippi College. We're glad to have you guys here this morning. But yeah, just grab the hand of your spouse. I want you to think about what covenant means. And those of you who are not married, guys, you're in covenant too. <laughs> you are the bride of Christ. You're not, you got covenant to keep as well. And so I wanted to take just a moment. I want us to examine our hearts. And I, I just wanted to invite Shauna as she was up here, came up to just to, to pray over us for, for just a moment before we, before we conclude. So let's just all bow our, bow our heads and, and just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us as she prays.
1: Lord, I just lift up every single couple that is represented here today and every single couple that is watching online. And Lord, I thank you for the reminder this morning of the significance of marriage, the significance of the I do, that Lord, it is truly a covenant. It is truly you bringing the two of us together and the two of us becoming one. And so, Father, I pray right now for every single marriage, Father, in this place, Father, that each one of us will be reminded of that commitment that we made to our spouse in sickness and in health, with money, without money, when they're pretty, when they're ugly, when they're nice, when they're mean, when they're tired or when they're rested. The God that will remember that that was a vow that we made before you. And Lord, I pray that we will not let anything divide and bring division to that covenant. Lord, I pray that each one of us will be responsible for ourselves and that each one of us will be quick to repent when we do wrong. Lord, I pray that each one of us will say, Holy Spirit, what do I need to work on in my life? to be a better spouse? What do I need to do to love my spouse better? And Lord, that we won't be the individual that's trying to point out all the flaws in ourselves, but God, that we know that the only person that we can truly change is ourselves. And so Holy Spirit, I pray that you speak to each one of us, that there is anything within our marriage that we need to do different. Holy Spirit, speak to us. And Lord, I pray that we'll make the bold decision to obey and do what you say, no matter how difficult it is, even if we don't think it's fair, even if we don't think it's right. Because God, we are submitted to you. And God, our responsibility is to honor you with everything that we say and with everything that we do. And Father, we just speak restoration to marriages in Jesus' name. Father, where there has been things that have been broken, Lord, I thank you that you can fix it. I thank you that nothing is impossible when you're the center of it and when we put you first. And so, Father, I thank you for bringing healing to marriages in this place. Father, I pray for that you'll relight <laughs> the flame, the passion. Lord, even as Rob talked a lot about sex today, that, Lord, that maybe that's something that needs to be spoke of in marriage and that conversations will be had and that that intimacy between husband and wife will be renewed in God and that it will honor you. And, Lord, I lift up every single single person in this place, Father, Lord, those that have been married, those that have been divorced, those that are widows, those that have never experienced marriage, but God, that maybe you've placed a desire on the inside of them for that covenant. Lord, I pray that they'll do what your book says, that they'll obey what the word says, that God, that they will put you first, that they will allow you to be their bride, that they will allow you to be number one. Lord, that they will allow you to sustain them in all things, in every temptation that comes their way, that God, they will honor you with their thoughts, that they will honor you with their actions, that they will honor you with their words. And Lord, I pray that they can be content in that season of singleness that you have called them to, that they don't see it as a burden, that they don't see it as like a big X on them, But, God, that they can be content and that they can lean into you. And, Lord, I pray that in your perfect timing that you can bring people into their lives. That not complete them, but, God, that they side by side make one another better as they are serving
0: you. Lord, we just declare together that we will be a God-honoring people in Jesus' name. And we each take responsibility for that individually. Lord, each of us would say that to ourselves. Just tell the Lord, Lord, I choose to live a God-honoring life in Jesus' name. I will put Jesus at the center. I will be kingdom-minded. I'll be mission-driven all the days of my life. I will stand against darkness, and I will be one who keeps my covenants eyes focused on Jesus never turning back Lord I thank you for what you're doing in each and every one before we close you may be here and you may recognize that you need to enter into covenant with God you may recognize that you have never truly looked at covenant with this kind of importance this is what it means when you say yes to Jesus guys it's this important as I described and more Maybe you said yes to Jesus at VBS when you were five, I don't know. But you've never understood the weight of what it means. And I encourage you, I implore you that today is the day to enter into covenant with most high God. And we go through Jesus. It's stopping and recognizing that we're lost without him, that we're dead in our sin, that we're cursed in our sin. That there's nothing you can do to repay the debt that you owe. There's nothing you can do to get out of this. But the Father recognized that. And Jesus chose to come. And he chose to pay the price. To lay down his life in your place so that you could be made a new creation. So that you could be washed clean. And the Bible says that when you confess you repent of your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. As we talked about today, you can enter into covenant with Most High God and know that you're his very own. And even in moments when you fail him and you don't get everything right, you can know that he will always be faithful and he will always keep up his end of the deal even when you slip up from time to time. He'll always love you. He'll always be there to pick you up when you fall. If that's you, I'm gonna pray a prayer. Whether you're here in person or watching online, And I'm just going to invite you to join in with me. Just with every head bowed, is there anybody here that would say, I need to bow my knee to Jesus today. I need to surrender. I need to seriously enter into covenant with God. Anybody here, just lift your hand for me to see. Anybody in this place? You may be watching online. That may be you. And and I I just encourage you, wherever you're at, distance doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit is there right now, and he's working on your heart. And I encourage you right now to say yes to Jesus. Just just pray a prayer something like this. Just say, Heavenly Father, I recognize I am lost and dead in my sin. I owe a debt I can't pay in a thousand lifetimes. But I thank you that Jesus came and he paid that price in my place. He laid down his life for me and he established a new covenant through the shedding of his blood that I could be washed clean and be made brand new. So today I turn from my sin. I repent and I choose to follow Jesus. I bow my knee And I bow my life to his lordship. No longer doing what I want, but doing what he wants. Doing what he created me to do. And I choose to follow you all the days of my life. And just ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Just say, Holy Spirit, fill me and empower me to be everything you called me to be. I'll follow you to the end in Jesus' name.
1: down